happen? Yeah. yeah. Okay, in Exodus chapter 16, verse 1. Um, so, this is a Bible study, so hopefully we'll be reading a lot of scriptures and things. Um, I know when I was a kid, um, it's like when you go to church, like they'll give out five, you know, scriptures or two or three scriptures. When I was a kid, we used to go to church and they would give you all kinds of scriptures, you know? And um, you you actually had to take your Bible to, to church. And so, yeah. Next is 16, verse 1. Now, this is the people of Israel when they had, when they had uh, when God had delivered them from Egypt. God had done all kinds of miracles for them. He had He had done the plagues against the Egyptians. Um, he He parted the waters. They went through on dry land, and then He closed the waters after them and destroyed the Egyptians. So God and God found water for them in the midst of the wilderness. God did all kinds of miracles for them, and so we pick up in verse one. It says, then they set out from Elam, and all the, all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So again, Moses is leading these people. He's done all kinds. He's been over backwards to satisfy him. He's done all. He's, God has done miracles through him. And all these people can do is grumble at him. Then the, in verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will, send, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people will go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. On the sixth day when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the sons of Israel, At evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your grumblings against the Lord. And what are we that you grumble against us? And then and Moses said, This will happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and bread to the full in the morning. For the Lord hears your grumblings, which you grumble against him. And what are we, your grumblings are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the congregation of the sons of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumblings. And so, going back down to verse 14. When a layer of dew, talks about like they went to bed at night and they woke up and there was a layer of dew on the ground. In verse 14, When the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness there was a fine flake-like thing, fine as the frost of the ground. When the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And that's basically the Hebrew word for manna, is what is it? And so, essentially, there are a lot of people in the, in the church, there are a lot of uh, believers, a lot of Christians, who they come to the Word of God, and they're basically, what is it? <laughs> they don't understand it. it it's, like a, it's like a closed book to them. It has no meaning, and they can't decipher it for themselves. And so we have to go to the preacher, we have to go to someone else to explain the Word of God to us. In Amos, in the book of Amos, I believe it's chapter 8, it talked about there would come a time when there would be a famine in the land, not for food, but for hearing the word of God. And uh, again, I believe that we are in that place. And God wants to bring us back to his word. He wants to bring his body. He wants to make his people a people of his word, a people who feed on his word, a people who know him through his word. 
Um, And then uh, look at uh, verse 16. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it every man as much as he should eat. You will take an omer apiece according to the number of persons each of you has in his tent. The sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much and some little. When they measured it with an omer, he he who had gathered much had no excess, and he who had gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. And then Moses said, Let no man leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to Moses, and some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul, and Moses was angry with them. And they gathered it morning by morning, every man as much as he should eat. But when the sun grew hot, it would melt. And so, um, turn to Matthew chapter 6. So this, this is going to give us a little insight in how to understand the Old Testament. So when we're reading in Exodus 16, it's talking about the manna. And in Matthew chapter 6, it gives us an interpretation of what the manna is. Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, Jesus says, Give us this day our daily bread. And uh, so the thing is, is in Exodus 16, he told them, Don't gather in excess. Gather what you need for that day. And, if you, and don't gather anymore. And that's the thing, is this whole thing with God is a relationship. And he wants us to come to his word daily, right? He wants us to come to him every day for our daily bread. And uh, because yesterday's man is not going to feed us today. We need to come every day. And, you know, if, if we're trying to live off of yesterday's manna, and that's what happens a lot of time, is we'll have some kind of experience with the Lord, and we coast off of that for a long time. Right? And God wants us to be coming to Him daily. He wants to keep that stream flowing in our life. And when we do that, when we keep coming to the Word and we meditate on His Word and we let His Word get into us, it becomes like a flowing river. And in uh, Psalm chapter, what is it, chapter 1, it talks about a river of life flowing. Let's read it. And it says, okay, Psalm chapter 1. said this to me is probably just like a just a fleshly thought or something but it's like just there's so many Christian books and Christian book mm-hmm. studies and things out there and mm-hmm. I, I tend to turn to the word first you know but then I'll, I'll ask people oh you want to just read the word Cindy does <laughs> yeah, but, but it's like well we're doing this 
book study, you know, <laughs> about the board. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, yeah. people can get a lot out of that and everything, but, but it I should just, be in place of. Right. Mm-hmm. I just, but I'm like, I, I work so much during the school year, I don't have time. I, I got to choose, you know, which mm-hmm. one do, am I going to get it from? And so mm-hmm. it's just, that's good. yeah. That's good. Yeah. And those are good. I mean, books are great and things, but just like you say, I mean, the Word is the most important thing because there's life in the Word. Yeah. And it and gives power to our spirit. Yeah. And, yeah, and sometimes I'll talk myself out. Like, even even today, I'm just kind of like, oh, I probably spent too much time reading it yesterday. Like, maybe I shouldn't read it today. But I'm just like, this is so encouraging to me. Like, no, I want to go home tonight mm-hmm. and right. get into this again. This is really so... And the beauty of it is that you're not writing off of someone else's relationship with God. Because yeah. 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 writing the book is telling you about his relationship with God and what God has revealed to him, but wouldn't you like God to tell you those same things yourself? Yeah. Well, you can. Uh-huh. Um, it says that we all can know him, and so we get very dependent on somebody else's relationship with God instead yeah. of having uh-huh. your own. Yeah, and yeah. there again, it's like not going and getting your own manna. Yeah, and I, yeah, so I was just, I was almost like just kind of talking myself out of it this morning, like, ah, oh, no, it's okay, <laughs> but this is such great encouragement, so... <laughs> There's a lot it's of folk stuff in books too, and I find a lot of the women's ones are so watered down, they're boring. Mm. I just, they don't have anything. It's, and I know that sometimes the publishers will go through, because I know I had a friend that was trying to write a book, and the publisher was like crossing this and that on, mm. you know, what'll sell. The important and, things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, important things yes. that really matter and might yeah. <laughs> make a difference and not make it a little bit more in depth, so you can't sell it. You know, necessarily, unless it is going to have a big, huge market, which sometimes means watered down. And yeah. It's just encouraging <clears throat> encouragement for me because, like, I, I will talk myself out of it. I'm like, no, I'm a weirdo. Like, no hmm. one does this, That's you know. Crazy. And, oh, wow. and so I'm just, I really wow. will. And so it's just encouraging wow. to hear it from other people. Like, wow. no, like, get this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you have no idea. Especially when you have an extremely busy lifestyle because mm-hmm. you actually do have to choose. Yeah. You, can't, yeah. you can't, you can't say, okay, I'm going to read, I'm going to read, especially when you're like really, really busy and you may have seasons where you are and seasons where you can read books, but I have a lot of seasons where it's either a word or a book yeah. and God's yeah. word is more important yeah. and he can speak to me whatever is in that book and my mm-hmm. personal reading, you know, and so that's great. Yeah, this that. is so encouraging to so me great. today. Well, you didn't like books, like you read like authors from like the 1800s and thing and things like that and i mean it's some solid doctrine and things and then what'll happen is a lot of times they'll they'll reissue the book and then they'll edit it and like you say they'll just kind of water it down a little mm-hmm. bit you know so can i read Psalm one yeah how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners nor sit in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the lord and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, the ways of the wicked will perish. It's hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. There's a song I listen to almost every night, and it's this very song. 
Mm -hmm. My children know it by heart now. Cool. We listen to it on the way to bed. That's cool. In Psalm 91. Chris Walden preached on this very thing this morning and brought up that song. Oh, wow. <laughs> Dean, were you going well, to read that cool. scripture? Did I get you off track? No. Um, about where Jesus said, I am the bread of life that comes down from heaven. Um... I think you were going to read that and then you wrote down the wrong reference, but that one where Jesus told Satan. 1 John 6. Mm -hmm. The thing that's cool about um, that scripture in Psalm 1 is it's also in uh, Revelation chapter 22. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll just go there and I'll just read it real quick. And in Revelation chapter 22, verse 1, it says, Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit. Now remember in Psalm 2, it said that if, if, you, um, if you delight in the Lord, that you would be like a tree, uh, tree and that that river would flow through you and you would bear fruit. So in Revelation 22, it says there's a tree of life coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of the street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. That's us. That's us. When we're letting that river flow through us, when we're letting his life flow through us, we become those, those trees of life and people and we bear fruit. And people is, are able to eat from that fruit, and they're, they'll be strengthened by our lives and, and drawn closer to God. Um, in John 6, verse 48. That's really cool. And so, real plainly right there in that verse. Yeah, and so, and again, so like people say, you know, how do you understand the word? You or the Old Testament. You understand the Old Testament with the New Testament because the New Testament explains it. And hopefully at one time we'll, we'll be able to get just into the Old Testament and the symbology and the types and the shadows and all that. But uh, in verse 48, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He said, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that no one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said, truly, tru truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. And so again, we can't just go to church and listen to sermons. We can't read books. We can't try to get the manna. We can't try to get the life from other sources. We have to go straight to the source. We have to go to that river and let that river flow into us. In verse, 50, uh, uh, verse 54, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true, true food, and my blood is true, true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and, as, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. 
And so, I mean, there's just so much in that. And it also reminds me of the Passover lamb. When, when they celebrated the Passover, he told them, you're going to take a lamb, you're going to roast it, and then you're going to eat every bit of it. Don't leave any of it until morning and stuff. And so you eat the lamb, you're eating the entrails, you're, you're eating the ears. I mean, not to be gross or whatever, but you're eating every part of that thing. And that's the way Jesus is too. We come to his word and he says things in his word that my flesh does not like. He says things in his word that I don't want to do that. That's, that goes against my grain. That goes against my flesh. That goes against everything that I've been taught all my life. That goes against everything that my friends are telling me. That goes against everything that, my, that, my, that, everything that it want, inside of me wants to do. But we have to eat everything of, that, of him, right? When it comes to that, we, we die to ourselves. And that's the whole thing about dying to ourselves. That's the dying daily. We're dying to our desires. We're dying to what we want. And when we hear his word, when we hear him say whatever it is, just like some of the hard things that Jeremy was saying last night. If you look upon a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. If you look at someone with hatred in your heart, you've already committed murder against yourself. I mean, when we first read that stuff, it's like, who can live this way? And then, you know, then you read the scripture where it says with God, all things are possible. Yeah. And so as we meditate on his word, that life begins to flow into us and it begins to give us power. Just like Romans ten seventeen says, um, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So many of us are weak in faith. We come against temptation. We come against hard things. We come against um, tough situations and we're not able to endure. And, uh, it's like, well, how do I get that faith? You get it by the word. You go and you find a scripture that's dealing with that that you're dealing with and you meditate on it and meditate on it and meditate on it until it becomes real in your life and it begins to bring life. It begins to bring that river that flows through you. Um, look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Real quick, and I don't know what it is, but the scripture that says... A man cannot, will not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes yeah. out of the mouth of God. But his word is our bread, too. Second Timothy, what? Chapter 3. Yeah. And this is just a reinforce because, again, there, there are whole denominations that teach that the Old Testament is not for us. Can you explain something like that? Surely. Um, where it I says, can try. Um, for my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed is this like the blood referring to the spirit like I mean, what does it mean when we take i mean we know we eat the word right and that's the bread his body it, it's like um blood, like what exactly when jesus died and he said this is my blood given for the remission of your sins and um yeah without the blood the blood cleanses us the blood washes us um and I think that it, it's, it shows that with, with God, everything is covenant. Everything is a covenant relationship. There's our part, there's the thing that, that we do, and there's the part that God does. And God is the initiator of every covenant. And God says, I will, if you come to me, I will wash you with my blood, I will forgive you of your sins, I will cleanse you. But then he says, but you have your part, and your part is partake to partake of me. Your part is to yeah. feed yourself from my spirit. 
Well, the reason I asked that if it's pertaining to the Spirit is because the two verses that what we sang a little bit ago, like, created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Like, it's his blood that does that. And also, um, where Jesus said, um, none can enter the kingdom of heaven without um, being born again. Like, being filled mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit. Like, that's with his blood. So that's why I was like, we got pertaining to that, or... Well, that's kind of where you used to talk to me the other day about minutia. You know, you think well, I, yeah, I think it's mainly just the cleansing and stuff, and just the washing of your sins and stuff. Because you tell her what you told her. Yeah, and there's there's no relationship with him without that washing and that cleansing and stuff. Because again, when we get to, and that's the thing, you know, I think that we have this wrong conception of what salvation. We've been taught so often and so long that you get saved. You know, and it's like this, this, and I believe that there is a thing where God, you know, God comes and he introduces himself to you and, you know, and he says, I'm yours and you're mine. And, you know, and there's that, boom, there's that introduction and things like that. But salvation, I think we, 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 we get it wrong when we think of it as this one-time event. Right. As this thing that happened, I got saved in 1985 or whatever and stuff. I mean, the Bible talks about salvation as an ongoing thing. It's we are being saved daily. We're being delivered from our sins and, and stuff. So I don't know where I was but, going but, with that. But I forgot. what you were saying to me in Lation the other day, it was kind of good about how, like, I'll just tell you what he said. He said, um, me and my friend Lation were kind of getting into some deep, really deep stuff in a particular passage. And, um, Dean basically said it's not it's a it's good if you get something deeper and a deeper meaning out of something like the Holy Spirit reveals something to you. But he said that that is secondary to what's simple and on the surface. And he said if you're not careful, you can get into false doctrine because you're you're digging so deep and you're really stretching and, and you're not really seeing the overall picture of what the Lord is saying. And you're getting you're like building a whole doctrine off of you it can get it, caught it, up in. And it, and it just becomes overwhelming, like the tenth head of the yeah. horn on the beast. And Are you okay, Kuzini? There's a Bible there. Be careful. Oh, nope. Be careful. Sorry. You're okay. Do you want to go to the restroom? Yeah. Okay. I didn't want to interrupt. That's okay. I ended up interrupting. Sorry. <laughs> okay. But um, it's like, yeah. I, and that's, I, th- I think that people can get really kind of weird with the word and stuff. Um. I mean, I know, I know that there's things like you, you take the psalm and you take a psalm like, say, if, this, if you're born in 1961, you take Psalm 61. And, you know, and it's like, dude, you, you can just get weird with the whole thing. And a, a lot of people do, you know. <laughs> Those addresses didn't even exist. Yeah, you, you know, it's just like, you know, it, it's easy to get caught up in, in the things that. But the point being is that basically the blood is always cleansing the blood. Right. You, and, and again, you take that to the Old Testament and you, talk, you, you see that thousands and thousands and thousands and, of lambs and bulls and goats and birds were sacrificed um, for their sins. And that blood could never, ever take away sin. All it could ever do was just cover their sins and stuff. And, so, and then Jesus comes, steps down into the, the crux of history in the middle of all of mankind, and by his one-time sacrifice, by his blood, he forever cleansed everything that couldn't be cleansed before, everything that was just covered over in the Old Testament. And so, but that's good, because 
you know, that's where reading the Old Testament gives you that foundation. Um, in, in a lot of ways, I think you really can't understand a lot of the things in the New Testament unless you understand the Old Testament. You know, I mean, all the all the sacrifices, all the washings. And but for them, they were literal things that they had to do. The circumcision, uh, the all the all that kind of stuff for us. All of that is a spiritual thing. So, uh, whereas they had to do literal washings, Jesus, when he washed the disciples' feet, Peter says, Lord, don't wash just my feet, wash all of me. Jesus said, you've been cleansed. But, you know, um, basically, I just need to do this for you. Essentially, you've been forgiven of your sins, but walking through this world, we get dirty. And sometimes we need to go to the Lord and confess some things. And Lord, I, I sinned today. Lord, I, I messed up. Wash me from this. Right? Um, the circumcision, again, is not of the flesh. It's of our heart. God circumcises our heart. And even with that, there's a lot of people today that want to keep the Old Testament things and do the Old Testament things. Those things have been done away forever. And something far better than all of that has come and that will never, ever be instituted again. And the Bible actually says, if you go back to that, and that's what Hebrews is talking about, because there were people who had, uh, Jewish believers, Jewish uh, believers who had come out of Judaism and got saved and got born again, and they were wanting to go back to the Old Testament, the sacrificial things, the, the temple things, and all the things that were just a type and a shadow of what was to come and what was perfected in Jesus and things. And and there are people today that want to do the same thing. Yep. But where are we now? 2 Timothy. 2 Sorry. Timothy what? Um, chapter 3. Again, this is just a reinforce. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, he says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that man, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now what scripture was he talking about when he said that? He the Basically, Testament. they only had the Old Testament. And I, it's my belief that even the letters that were circulated, I don't know if they were considering that as scripture at that time when they first received those. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I don't know. But for the main part, what they considered scripture was the Old Testament. Was that 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy? That's uh, 2 Timothy. Can you tell me the reference again? 3.16. There's another place in Romans chapter 15. So that one is, All scripture is inspired by God and In Romans 15, verse 4, Paul is saying, For whatever was written in earlier times, and again he's talking about the Old Testament, he says, was written for our instruction. So again, the Old Testament is not something that we don't need. The Old Testament is, something, is not something that we don't need today. All we need is the New Testament. That Old Testament stuff was done away. Again, I don't truly believe that you can really understand salvation or understand the New Testament properly without some kind of understanding of the Old Testament. I thought it was funny that he said to Nicodemus, was, how can you be a teacher of the law and not understand these things? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, so he was supposed to know this stuff. Right. And, and that's what happened to Paul. Paul 
had all this Old Testament knowledge. Uh-huh. I mean, he was a Pharisee. A Pharisee studied under Gamaliel. And, I mean, he, he had all this knowledge of the Old Testament. And it was just dead letter to him until God, the Holy Spirit came into his life. And then it sparked the New Testament, or most of the New Testament. And uh, so, all of a sudden, all this stuff, finally he could see in a spiritual way, in the way that God had intended from before the creation of the world, it was God's desire for, for all of this New Testament stuff. Well, so Jesus, he was human, and his knowledge came from the Old Testament. Yeah. One thing I've been praying recently is, God, how did Jesus know your heart? through the Old Testament to know that he was supposed to go out and heal and stuff. I mean, I know he had the Holy Spirit, but he knew from the Old Testament he understood who the Father was and what his mission was. And yeah, the Holy Spirit, you know, concreted that and made it more clear, but Mm -hmm. all his knowledge... And yeah. like he defeated the devil with three verses of Deuteronomy, which we all hate to read. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and not only not only that, there there were people in the Old Testament who understood. I mean, you look at the uh, Hebrews chapter eleven. Hebrews chapter eleven. The whole thing is about Old Testament people who, by faith, mm-hmm. understood. And it's like David when when David sinned, he said, "Lord, I know." That bulls, sacrifices of bulls and goats, that's not what you desire. What you desire is a pure heart. And so even in the Old Testament, there were people who understood by faith that God wasn't trying to get at the outward thing. God wasn't trying to um, just uh, give rules. God wasn't trying to just, you know, do all, you know, all these meaningless things. All the things that they did was to show them something deeper. It's like the parables of Jesus in the New Testament. Even the Pharisees, they didn't understand the parables. But if you had a childlike heart, you would understand it. If you just had a simple heart that's like willing to submit and willing to learn and willing to... If you had a heart that wanted to know God, you would understand the parables. So they were designed in such a way that, that, that if you're filled with pride, if you're filled with the world, if you're filled with... Um, the things of this world, it's, it's like in the New Testament, it says uh, you can't even understand these things without the Holy Spirit, without, you know, and um, so, yeah, anyway. Verse 4 says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. And again, we, we think that the Old Testament is just a book of rules, a book of judgment and things like that. Paul says, through the study of the Old Testament, you get hope. And uh, basically, the church is malnourished, I believe. I believe that, you know, a lot of the sermons, I mean, a lot of the sermons aren't even about God. You know, it's like how God wants to bless you, how God wants to make you rich, how God wants wants to make you happy, wealthy, wise, how God wants to get you a wife and things like that. And God does want to do a lot of those things. I mean, I'm not denying that or anything but the main thing is is God wants our heart and that's what the book is about from Genesis to Revelation the whole book is about God's dealings to man and man's dealings towards God sometimes man did the right thing sometimes men did the wrong thing but man his God never has taken man's free will 
God gave, God created man to have relationship with him. And if we're just going to church, we're just going through the motions, if we just listen to what the preacher says, if we just if we do those things, it's not relationship. And and we'll never truly know God in the way that he wants us to know him. And a lot of people, that's the, their Christian experience. And that's their, their walk with God is just what the preacher tells me or what I read in this book. And, and, and we're not going to the well and there's no life. And that, in my opinion, is why the church is becoming smaller and smaller and smaller and the world is becoming larger and larger and larger. And instead of the church conquering the world, it seems to me like the world is conquering the church and the world is seeping into the church. And instead of us being transformed into the likeness of Christ, the, the church is being transformed in being like the world. And again, God is desiring, God is longing in this age for a people that are, going to, that are going to be different. For a people that are going to say, I'm going to get into the Word and let the Word get into me. Where the Word says, I need to change, I'm going to change. And where the, where the Word wants to, where God wants to work in my life, I'm going to allow Him to work in my life. But we can't do that if we don't study the Word. We can't do that if we don't know what the Word says. Right? Um, look at this in Matthew 13, verse 44. 44? Mm-hmm. 13? Uh, yeah. And, it, you know, and the thing is, is... I think especially with guys, for whatever reason, a lot of guys don't like to read the Word. A lot of guys don't like to read, period, and stuff. And and so a lot of us, uh, I, man, Jeremy, the stuff he was teaching last night, a lot of it was really, really good, I thought. Because a lot of us, us guys, I mean, we just want to be good guys. You know what I'm saying? We would, And the thing is that Jesus did not die to make us better people. Jesus didn't die so that I would help a little old lady across the street. Jesus didn't die so that I wouldn't, I wouldn't cheat on my taxes. Jesus died to transform us. Jesus died to make dead people live. And, and what we're trying to do is we're trying to decorate corpses and try to make them look like they're living, and it's a valley of dry bones. And, and it's only the word that's going to change us. It's only that life that springs into us that's going to give us life and make us that river that flows that brings healing to the nations. And in uh, verse 44, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid, hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So it's not like, oh, man. The things of God, I have to pray, I have to read my Bible, I have to worship. It's these works, it's these things that I have to do. It's something that for joy, he goes and sells everything that he has so that he can possess that. And, and you know, that's Christianity. Christianity, again, again, is not just trying to, trying to go, you know, I go to church and I, you know, I try to be a good person. I get involved in my community and things like that. Christianity is when Jesus comes and he takes your sinful heart and he rips it out of your chest. He washes it clean and he puts a new heart within you. And now you're different. Yeah, that's just 
now it's not like I've got to read the word or I've got to, I've got to try to get to know God somehow. It's like, how can I get to know God? What do I have to do that I can have this relationship with him? And in verse 45, he says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Okay. Psalms uh, 119, verse 162 says, I rejoice at thy word as one who finds great joy. That's awesome. One more scripture. Jeremiah 29. This is kind of... Um, I think uh, Jeremiah 29 is one of the most overused scriptures in the Bible. Um, and I say that knowing that I've been given that scripture and, and I treasure that scripture and things. But I think that a lot of times we're, we're giving that scripture to, I think a lot of times we give scriptures, period, to people who, who it doesn't apply to. And in uh, Jeremiah 29, if I can get there. Verse 11. Now this is God speaking to his people. They, Because of their sins, they went into captivity for 70 years. Um, I don't know if you guys have read the history of, of Israel and, and the Jews and things like that. Um, basically, Israel's been destroyed twice. They were destroyed in, in uh, Jeremiah's time because they, they refused to follow the Lord. And so he allowed them to be taken into Babylon into captivity. And so after that time, God had mercy, for them, mercy over them and brought them back to the land. And in verse 11, he said, uh, we'll look at verse 10. He said, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. And this is a scripture that we always quote, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. We always stop right there, but the Bible doesn't stop right there. In verse 13, he says, You will seek me and you will find me when, says, when you search for me with all your heart, and then I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And that's the thing, we, we always give that scripture to people, but immediately following that, he says, you'll seek me and you find me when and only when you seek for me with all of your heart. And so, again, Christianity is not um, just something that we just kind of take on the weekends. It's not something we do part-time. It's something God is designing a people who are seeking after him with all their hearts, who have sold everything to follow him. I mean, if God... Man, there are stories of, of, of the Moravians um, back in the 1700s. Uh, these guys had such a heart for, for people in Africa that they would sell themselves into slavery so that they could go live with them and preach the gospel to them. Wow. Now, <laughs> you know, what would we do in that situation? I mean, I, I can't say what I would do. But that's the thing, and that's... The point being is that God wants to bring us, each one of us, to the point to where no matter what he says to us, 
we'll do. No matter where he says to go, if that's what he says to do, we will do that. And the main thing that he wants is to start on that relationship with him. That relationship starts through prayer, through studying his word, through worship, through getting to know him. Because that's what Christianity is. It's not just a religion. It's not just doing religious things. It's about getting to know him. I mean, imagine like if, you, if you're married or you have a best friend or you have this great relationship with your parents or whatever, and you live thousands of miles away from them, and you never, they write you all kinds of letters, you never read the letters. You never, you never try to contact them. You never try to get in touch with them. You never try to get to know them. That is not a relationship, right? And, you know, it's, we're all busy. Um, even if, if it takes just like reading one or two scriptures a day at the beginning, you know, it's like people say, I can't do it. I don't have time to do it. If all you got, if all the only time that you have is to read one scripture, read one scripture, you know, and, and also, and also, yeah, and it, well, the thing is, is the nature of it, it will grow, because the Bible says that the flesh wars against the spirit, and the spirit wars against the flesh, and it's like, I don't know about you guys, but how many times have you ever not gone to church because, like, you were worn out, you had a rough day, or something like that, so you're like, I'm not going today, and stuff, and then your wife comes back, or your friend comes back, or someone comes back and says, that was the best service ever. Yeah. Every time I don't go is always the best service ever. <laughs> So, and, that, and the thing is, is, is when we begin the things of God, a lot of times it's difficult. It's hard. It's hard to pray. It's hard to study the Bible. It's hard to get into it. But if you start, start somewhere, start anywhere, start on, you know, Psalms or, or whatever. If you start small, when you begin to do it, it begins to feed your spirit. And when you begins to feed your spirit, your spirit begins to develop a love for it. And so the more it, it, it works in itself. The more you feed it, the more you want it. And, uh, you know, it's just if you feed your flesh, you'll get the flesh. If you feed your spirit, you get the spirit. And so um, I always tell people, you know, if you have to start small, start small, but start somewhere. And when you begin to do it, I, honestly, I don't see how you can read the word and not want to read the word. Because you read it and you read this, the promises of God. You read the awesome things that he's done. And it's like, man, I want to read more of that. You know? And uh, that's the nature of it. And the more that we do the more that we do the things of God, the more we love the things of God. And his spirit begins to speak that into us. It begins to be life and it transforms us. Amen? That's all I got. And um, you're going to suggest to them to read Psalms 119 this week? Was I going to do that? Yeah. Amy Psalms, wanted to give so, you all homework. Psalms 119. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. At least read, at least, at least read like, you know, like portions of it. I actually read that um, like a, a 